0: A few years ago, I lost my birth certificate. I still, to this day, don't think I really lost it. I think I stored it someplace that was so safe and so secure that I just couldn't find it. But for the most part, my day-to-day life didn't really change very much. I still had a passport, I had a driver's license, I had a social security card, and I didn't really have to prove that I was born. When my kids would call at the breakfast table and need something, Daddy! I didn't show up and say, what do you need? None of them ever said, are you sure that you exist? Can you prove that you were born? Because I was standing there. And and it it took just a couple little internet searches where I could, I didn't even have to go back to the county where I was born. I could just order a new birth certificate over the mail. And I've been thinking about that process a lot because Uh, I don't really have my birth certificate framed. I don't put it in my office and invite people in to say, hey, look at this, I was born. This is my birthday. This is my name. This is where I was born. Doesn't really matter that much to uh, to most people. Most people can see that I exist. And I I set all that up to say that, that in this passage that we're going to look at today, birth certificates, or the equivalent in the ancient world, were a big deal. We're going to look at the story, a conversation between Jesus and a man named Nicodemus. And in, in this world, the family you come from is a really big deal. If you are a son or a daughter of Abraham, that that meant you are on the right track with God. And if you could prove that you were Jewish, then in that community, it meant, okay, you are, you are on the... The, the right road, you're on the freeway towards right living and, and the good life and this, this kingdom that God will bring. So let's take a look at this conversation and see what Jesus does with that kind of thinking. It's, if you want to follow along, it's in John chapter three. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. So like I said before, this guy Nicodemus, he's well-educated. He's a Pharisee, but he was also on the ruling council. This Sanhedrin is the name of the ruling council. It's a group of men that decided for the whole nation. They ruled on religious law. They ruled on different, different sticky situations. Uh, and he was a leader among leaders, so he's highly educated, yet he's still searching. This is a highly educated person with the right name on his birth certificate, the right city on his birth certificate, the right nation on his birth certificate, and he's still searching, because he can see that there's something about Jesus. I think in in the light that John uh, puts him in, I think we can tell that he is a good man who is honestly searching for what God is up to. What are you searching for? What brought you here today? Are you looking for some community? Are you looking for truth? Did someone invite you to watch this? Did someone send the link? I don't think it's an accident that we are all here together in this moment. And I believe God has something for us in this relatively small portion of scripture. Just like we're all searching for something, Nicodemus was searching for the truth. And we'll pick up in verse three, Jesus replied to Nicodemus, very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. So I think uh, it's lost on us even if you're not a churchy person and you haven't grown up in church, somewhere along the line in American or Western culture, we've heard the term "born again." It's 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 worked its way into our English-speaking dictionary. It's it's a term that we use, but it was very new. Nicodemus is saying, "Like whoa, 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 wait a minute! This is a very new concept," and. Uh, In the original language, it can be translated born again or born from above. And I think both of those terms are helpful for us to understand what Jesus is trying to say. And what Jesus is trying to say to this teacher of religious law and this leader among leaders in Jewish culture, Jesus is trying to say, God was up to something with Abraham and the the promise going all the way back to Genesis 12. The original intent was to bless this people so they would bless the world. And now, all those things that, that God was up to, they're about to be fulfilled and God's about to throw open the floodgates and anyone can be a part of God's kingdom. That's what Jesus was up to. He was saying, another way to say it maybe, is that God is starting a new family. Maybe a better way to say it is God is adopting everyone into his family. Everyone will have the opportunity to be in God's family. So this, you'll, it, it will be so transformative. It will be such a, a paradigm shift. It will be like they are born again from the inside out. So Nicodemus is saying, I, I don't understand this. Well, here's how Jesus responds to him, starting in verse 5. So there's a, lot, there's a lot of images going on in that little chunk there. And Jesus is referencing water baptism, that, that John the Baptist, even just a couple chapters over in this, in this book, uh, John the Baptist initiates this, this, this outward sign of what's going on inwardly, of repenting from sins, God cleansing us from our sins. Jesus' disciples continued that practice when Jesus actually commanded us to do this this water baptism practice that initiates us into the visible church. It's a big deal and it's a sign of what's gone on on the inside. And all of this wind talk that Jesus is saying, he's talking about the Holy Spirit and he's talking about the inclusion of Gentiles, non-Jewish people being adopted into God's family. And I like that in both Hebrew and in Greek, the word for spirit, like Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity is wind. And that evokes back these images going all the way back to the Garden of Eden and God's breath blowing out and filling Adam's lungs with with life, filling Eve's lungs with the breath of God. Jesus is telling Nicodemus, God's kingdom is is about to come to this earth and it's going to to change people's hearts and change people's minds so drastically it will be like they are a new creation, just like when God created Adam and Eve. And and that happens at the moment you surrender your life to Jesus. It's like sometimes you don't get all the warm and fuzzies, but regardless of how you feel, when you say, Jesus, I surrender my life to you. I think of it like a spiritual heart transplant. You get a a new heart, you get a new lungs, and and God breathes his breath into you. And that language is confusing. And and if if you're confused by that language, you're you're in good company because Nicodemus was also confused in this point of his conversation, in his conversation with Jesus. In verse nine he says, "'Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa. how can this be?' Nicodemus asked. "'You are Israel's teacher,' said Jesus, "'and you don't understand these things? "'Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know "'and we testify to what we have seen. "'But still, you people do not accept our testimony. "'I have spoken to you of earthly things "'and you do not believe.' how oh, then will you believe if i speak of heavenly things no one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven the son of man just as moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness so the son of man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him so jesus is speaking from experience he's saying all right uh, <laughs> You're a teacher of earthly things, and, and, and I'm talking to you about earthly things, and now, now you're asking me questions about, about these heavenly things, and you don't have, like, you've got maybe some book knowledge, but listen to me. I've experienced this, and, and I want you to know that, that your pedigree, your relationship to God, which has been about earning which has been about filling out your, your resume or, or getting as many gold stars in your, in your spiritual uh, diary and journal, it's not about that. God's kingdom is about to just wipe the slate clean with all of that stuff. And I want you to experience. This is what Jesus is saying. I want you to experience God. And for the past few weeks, we've been talking about our core values at Solid Ground Church and in the denomination that we're, we're, we belong to. And the word experience sticks out to me in this text, and also it connects to our core values. They're, they're not just things that we believe, they're things that we try to live out. You know, this week we're talking about the, the experiencing God's love and grace And in our core values, they're stated this way, we value the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ and the transforming power of the Holy Spirit. So what we're doing here is more than just a little chat on YouTube. We're we're more than just trying to get you to believe a certain way. Solid Ground is more than just a service organization. What we're about here is we're about partnering with God to see people's lives change. We want to be a part of what Jesus is doing to transform hearts and families and neighborhoods and cities towards the good news, towards, towards life and health, towards reflecting God's kingdom. The, the words of Jesus again, he said, he told Nicodemus. I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again, unless he is born of water and the spirit. Another way to say it is that we're all invited to lay aside like, the, the rote, empty kind of religious behavior. We're invited to lay aside any kind of pretense that says that we can experience God's love and grace by what we do. Like we can't earn it. Jesus's invitation to you right now is saying, I want you to experience my love and grace by having a personal experience with me. Like I said before, it's not about your resume. It's not about your spiritual resume. It's not about how, how much of your life you've made the right choices. Those are good and it's wonderful to make right choices. Please, let's all try to make right choices. But at the end of the day, it's all grace. No matter how, how well we behave, our willpower is going to fail us. Our wisdom is going to fail us. At some point, we are going to need God's grace. It's not about what you earn, and it's not about the last name on your birth certificate. It's about what God wants. You know what God wants? In John 3, 16, it goes on to say, for God so loved the world that he gave his own one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life so we're we're talking about experiencing god's love and grace we're talking about this conversation that jesus had with nicodemus and what i think this challenges us to do is to begin shifting our our perception and our efforts away from earning god's love and to shift it towards receiving God's gift of grace. You know, I was talking about my birth certificate early on and I've been thinking a lot of how silly it would be to, to invite people into my office and get really excited about my birth certificate uh, and say I could talk about how, how difficult my birth was. Uh, was. I'm sure it was really difficult. Thanks, Mom, by the way. Uh, and say, look at this, guys, isn't this amazing? A birth did happen. But what what hopefully is exciting to my friends and my loved ones and, and to me is not that I was born, but is like what's going on in life right now? What's going on in my relationship with Jesus right now? And I think it would be so much more effective if I really want to help people, if I really want to have an infectious kind of a life that, that makes a mark in this world instead of pointing to a birth certificate on my wall, if I could actually invite them into my home or in my office or my car, wherever, and introduce people to the real living Jesus, to the Jesus that lives inside of me, and say, oh, you've gotta know, you've gotta know Jesus. So here's my challenge for you this week. Whether you've grown up in church or whether you're very new to this thing, I want you to put yourself in the, spot, in the spot of Nicodemus. And, and maybe you've got questions. Well, you know what? Look at how Jesus treated Nicodemus. He answered his questions. He got down on his level. And there was no condescension. There was no finger-wagging, saying, hey, we'll work this out together. I want you to begin shifting your mindset away from trying to earn God's love or perform your way into a, a healthy self-concept. And if you're taking notes or if you're not taking notes, I want you to type this out on your phone. I want you to to write it out if you've got pen and paper with you. But just the simple act based on, on this, I want you to read John chapter three every day this week. And then as you do, before you start to pray, I want you to write this out. I am loved by God. I cannot earn it. I cannot lose it. And as you do, make that your prayer, that that will sink from your head down to your heart, because that's the kind of perspective. That's where Jesus starts to, to change you from the inside out and make you brand new. And if you've never said yes to following Jesus right now, it's, it's not complicated. It doesn't have to be this, this, this specific um, kind of kind of checklist that you go through. The scriptures say, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. And I wanna I wanna invite you right now to surrender your life to Jesus and just pray with me. And in your heart, say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving me of my sins. Thank you for forgiving me of my sins. I believe that you died on the cross, that you you rose from the dead. I place my hope in you. You are Lord of my life, and you can. You can use those words or you pray those things. And as you do, Jesus comes to meet you right where you are. So let's, let's join our hearts in prayer together right now. Dear Heavenly Father, we surrender our lives to you right now. We, we again affirm that your sacrifice on the cross and your resurrection is our hope, not only for the next life, but for this life as well. I pray that you will fill us with your spirit You'll heal our wounds and and fill us up with with your love to where we are helping others and serving out of the overflow of what you're doing in our hearts. Dear Heavenly Father, we ask that you would take our lives and make make them something that's beautiful and reflects your kingdom to the world around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Until we're together again, may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine down upon you. And the Lord be gracious to you and give you his peace. In the name of the Father and Son and Holy Spirit, amen.